final seconds here of this 2018 NBA season. There's the buzzer. There's a new dynasty in the NBA. The Golden State Warriors champions once again. Back-to-back -back titles. Three in four years. And the latest for the sweep. Welcome back, everybody, to the Stay Oz Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm back with Jordan. Yo. And we put out the APB. Calvin is back in the chat with us. Oh, Lord. Here he is, man. Thanks for responding. <laughs> can, uh, you know, man, busy life, you know. We can pull all those milk cartons off the shelves. <laughs> I'm here. I'm in the flesh. So today on the Stay Oz podcast, we are going to summarize the 4-0 sweep of the Golden State Warriors champions over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, and in doing so, we'll talk about uh, some myths from the series. And it's going to dive into our other hard-hitting subject, where at least as far as we're concerned in the GOAT conversation, we're going to dead the conversation of who is truly the GOAT, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. So, let's kick it off, though. Let's, let's, let's summarize uh, what we saw over the past, say, week or so. Were the Golden State Warriors the new NBA champions of the world? Uh, how, over four games, were they able to take down Cleveland Cavaliers? Your thoughts, Calvin? You know, uh, Honestly, I think it's quite simple. It's it's math. You got four All Stars versus one, or versus one and a half, maybe two with Kevin Love. I mean that that was the key theme in Games One, where Kevin Durant didn't really show up like he should have, but Stephen Curry showed out. In Game Two, Stephen Curry showed out. Everybody showed out. Game Three, Stephen Curry did not play. Klay Thompson did not show out. But Kevin Durant came to play. So no matter what happens, you always got a, a superstar or a go-to guy who can just take over the game anytime he wants. I mean, and there's no excuses for LeBron. I mean, it, hey, you know, J.R. Smith made that dumb decision in game one, and that kind of turned the tide there. But it's no excuses. You know, you still had overtime. They still had an opportunity to win that game. Um, but at the end of the day, there's only so much one person and maybe some equal parts can do against a team like Golden State when you don't have that type of firepower. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. Um I, I I'm on I'm along the same lines as 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 Calvin with the whole math equation. I mean, you think about it, usually when you have a star on a team, the opponent is going to put their best man on that star when it comes to defending them. Um you can't defend four people. Uh, you know, they if if it doesn't Work one way for Golden State, they just going to figure it out with another way. If you stop Stephen Curry from shooting and hitting nine threes in a game, well, KD's going to kill you from all over the floor. 
Well, if you double-team KD, okay, well, Klay Thompson, you forgot about him. He's going to kill the corner threes and do what he does. Okay, well, if you you, you worry about Klay Thompson and Stephen Curry, well, Draymond and KD going to kill. Okay, well, if you worry about Draymond and KD, well, now Stephen Curry and Klay. Like, it, it's, it's nothing that you can do to truly stop them all together. And then you got Andre Iguodala. And then you got all those other good cast and supporting members on that team. I mean, they, they are very well-rounded, very good defensive and offensive team, historic. So so it, it's very hard to match up with them, uh, regardless of whether LeBron is one of the greatest players of all time or not. His supporting cast, if, if they are not, should I say, perfect, then they don't, they don't stand a chance. And you saw that in this series. Do you think they had to be perfect? I think that um, game one and game three, I don't think I don't think perfection was needed, although Golden State has quite as, as far as personnel. Uh, they still fall subject to, you know, bad games, human tendencies. And we saw that in game one and game three. And I just don't I think that Cleveland didn't see certain opportunities. And a, a lot of that, not all, but a lot of that falls on the shoulders of LeBron James in game one. I think that. I understand the magnitude of the game. I understand the moment uh, and even the way he explained it. You know, you get frustrated when you have an opportunity to come into Oracle and take down the Warriors. But uh, to Calvin's point and what we mentioned last week, you still had overtime. And the way you the way you handled yourself and the frustration you carried, and the fact that Let's be honest, now that the videos and all the behind-the-scenes stuff is out, you kind of threw JR under the bus with your actions, even though you didn't want to do it vocally. He kind of short-circuited. And I think had he kept his composure, they still would have had a good shot at game one. Mm-hmm. At game three, what disappointed me was the fact that Clay was missing. Steph was missing. Draymond really shot terribly all series. Mm-hmm. So you had a game where only one person was clicking in that game. And all you had to do was slow him down. Now, if anyone has any chance of slowing him down, I think there was there's two legit individuals. You're not going to stop Kevin Durant, but there's two legit individuals who have a chance of slowing him down. And that's LeBron James and to a much, much lesser degree, Jeff Green, I think we saw in mm-hmm. game. Jeff Green plays decent defense because he can kind of match body type with KD. But I, I just don't like the fact that LeBron didn't take on the mantle of saying, I got Kevin Durant. Every time they ran switch, it's almost like he ran away from Kevin Like he couldn't wait to get away from Kevin Durant. I mean, yeah. Am I the only person that saw that? I mean, no, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I don't disagree with you. Um, I think it's a matter of age catching up with them. LeBron is still a good defender, but I think he takes plays off nowadays uh, because he does so much for that team, and rightfully so. I mean, hey, if you need other people to step up, step up. Uh, LeBron is not the only defender on that team, but he still is the best one. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he 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 relished the fact that, hey, when that screen comes, okay, I'm going to switch over to Draymond or whoever it is that's switching out with KD because KD will kill him. LeBron is not the same defender he was when he was a little younger, and that's just the truth. You know, age age defeats all. 
And I think, too, that's part of the problem with today's NBA is that you got so much switching going on. Uh, you can't – I know we're going to talk about this later in, with LeBron-Mike debate, debate, but, you know, Mike didn't switch off. Um, if he wanted to go after somebody, he went after somebody. And I feel like, to your point, Chris, I feel like LeBron kind of lamented the idea that, you know what, hey, if I win, hey, I'm the best. But if I lose, I mean, hey, everybody knows I'm going to lose anyway. So I'm not going to put that much effort into this. And at the same token, I feel like, you know, LeBron, like Jordan said, take plays off. LeBron, he has highlights. And this is, why, this is the reason why LeBron has, only won, uh, has never won a Defensive Player of the Year award. Because of the fact that it's simple. LeBron makes highlight defensive plays. A block on uh, Tayshaun Prince or, or a block on somebody else to save the game. Those is what he does. He makes highlight plays, but consistent on-ball defense, he does not do. You know, he'll give you a couple of plays, but that's it. And so when you don't have a team that's strong on defense and you're going against probably the strongest offensive team we've ever seen in Golden State, there's no way they have a chance of winning. And when you have a chance of winning like game one, you take it because you're not going to get too many other mistakes, not going to get too many other opportunities. And every time Golden State gave them a shot, gave them an opportunity, the Cavs never capitalized on it. You can't make mistakes against a team like that. Then I, then I look at game three some more, and you know that, that, was, that was your opportunity right there. You had Rodney Hood. You took him out of the mothballs. And he gave you buckets, man. I mean, he came in, he shot well, he played efficiently. He he did a lot of ISO stuff, so I can kind of understand a little bit why him on the court with LeBron might not necessarily always work because if he's on the court and he needs to score, LeBron may not touch the ball, and you know that doesn't work for him, but. Rodney Hood played very well, in my opinion, in game three. And Kevin Love played well in game three. But it's 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 almost like another wasted opportunity because in all reality, LeBron played well, but he didn't play like LeBron. I mean, that was a really nice Jason Tatum game he gave you for, for game three. And it just, it just seems like by that point, Honestly, I think game one was was kind of like the the nail in the coffin, even though it was only game one. I think that once that happened, I don't. I think Cleveland didn't think they had a shot, and then game two they blew the doors off of them. Yeah, and, and even though they were both on the road, they came back into Cleveland. They were probably surprised to be that close, but if if LeBron, even if LeBron does a LeBron where he takes you know, 80% of the game off, and at the end of the game, I'm going to guard your best guy. He didn't even do that. And, that, and that's what kind of shocked me. It's like he couldn't wait to leave Kevin Durant. Mm-mm. He didn't want no part of that. He didn't want no part of that. And, and I don't know if it's, it's, a, it's a thing where he's pressing for his legacy, where he's doing certain things, trying to preserve and then save face, but he wanted no parts of Kevin Durant. In game three. Yeah, Kevin Durant was a dog in that game, man. He was a dog. And I honestly feel like LeBron knew 
if people will start comparing and say, man, maybe KD is better than LeBron. Look how many times he takes LeBron off the dribble. Look how many times he scored on LeBron. But that's but and, and that's that's part of it, that mental capacity. But I still believe too, with today's NBA, you gotta have players that can switch. And yeah. when you got that ability, you got LeBron guarding KD. KD is gonna look for the screen, and the screen he's gonna choose is Draymond. Who's who's guarding Draymond? Kevin Love. So easy money. I'm gonna take Kevin Love all day. Bam, 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 every game. And so if you LeBron, man, forget that. K, stay K Love, stay with your man. I'm finna go for the fight underneath or over the screen. Otherwise, mm. it's game that match. You know, that's yeah. that, that's what it was. And those those last couple shots that KD made. Oh my god. One was one was just unbelievable. It was unreal. I mean, that there, there really wasn't a whole lot of defense for that. Yeah. But, but it, there was one shot before that, and there was a switch. And most of the times it was Kevin Love and LeBron left out to dry. But I think on this occasion it was somebody else. Um I don't know Probably. if it was Tristan. And mm-hmm. they they ran screen roll and no, it was JR. They ran screen roll and he switched so fast. Yeah. Like like it was it's it's probably embedded in the game plan. So your player won't beat you off the dribble on the screen. Just switch. But I'm, so I'm, that's what I'm wondering how embedded that is because some of some of those some of those switches look kind of because if, if you think if you look at the way game four went to where they were caught in between switches a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. I'm wondering if if it was actually embedded in the game plan, or if you say, "Hey, we're going to switch everything," and still your superstar has carte blanche to say, "No, no, I got him." Yeah. And, and Teron Lewis is not going to say a word because he say, "Hey, he must want to clamp down KD." I just think that there's too many possessions in Game Three, especially Game Three. In game four, too. But game three, there was way too many possessions. And I would love to see the stats on it where how many times LeBron guarded KD when KD put up a shot? How many times did somebody else guard KD? And I feel like when I was watching that game, I saw more Kevin Love guarding KD than anybody else. Anybody else. And and to be and to be real with you, considering what what the situation was, Kevin Love was not defending terribly. He, nope. was, he was nope. he was he was he was standing the line of sight. He kept a hand in his face and and just you know, KD was making buckets, but right. he's still not LeBron defensively. And that's the difference too. If you got a a player like Kevin Love, who's a step slower than KD, maybe two or three steps slower, even though he played good defense, solid defense. He still was not able to make KD uncomfortable. If you look at um, when I think it was Lance Stevenson that played against LeBron against Indiana, Lance Stevenson was making LeBron uncomfortable on a lot of plays. If you can make your player uncomfortable, and I think Gary Payton said this when he when he plays defense, or even Scottie Pippen, if you make your player uncomfortable, it was Scottie Pippen. He said, "Way how I will guard LeBron, I will pick him up full court, and I will make him uncomfortable." You know, and if you're not making the guy uncomfortable. And he's six foot eleven with a wingspan that's ridiculous. He's just gonna pull up on you, no matter how good you stay foot to foot with him. If you can't get in his body, it's no point. 
And then you have on the other end of the of the of the ball is you have the constant switching again. And I believe that was even a story. I don't know if it was the ringer, but they wrote they wrote about this to where they were talking about how there's these switches that Golden State's doing. They switch everything. So LeBron knew this, and a lot of times he had Stephen Curry picking him up. And game three, game four, uh, especially the tail end of game three and game four, it's like Stephen Curry was playing very admirable defense on LeBron James. Or was I seeing something different? I mean, I, I think he was able to do what he could. I mean, for the most part, I mean, he did okay. I, I wouldn't say he did great defense, but it was a lot of times I felt like, and see, this is another difference. I guess, and, and once again, we're going to talk about this later. But LeBron did not kill his advantages. When he had Steph Curry, man, you better post that man up and take him to the hole all day. With the way this NBA is set up, and you got the other four players on the wings out there in the arc, so you got all this open space down low, how are you not taking him to the hole and dunking on him? But that's, that's that killer mentality that he has but he doesn't have, if that makes sense. Yeah. So – what do you what do you guys think about the the news that came up right after Golden State's hoisting the trophy that LeBron James either bruised or broke his hand? Yes, garbage. I think it's fabricated. I think it's garbage. It's blasphemous, man. Don't act like you lost this series because your hand is jacked up. Get out of here, man. Get out of here. I, I'm sorry. And, you know, I can't speak for somebody if they hit their hand. If he hit his hand, he hit his hand. I seriously doubt. I, and I've watched a lot of tape. I've never seen what LeBron was favoring his hand. So, Jordan, what did you think of the, uh, the LeBron James hand injury? Uh, fabricated, malarkey, blasphemous, crap, mess, uh, whatever words you want to come up with. It, it, it was a bunch of mess. He sure wasn't hurting when he was grabbing that purse that game one. So, so I ain't trying to <laughs> – that's an excuse because LeBron did everything impossible to help that team. What, what, what is that supposed to tell me? Like if you didn't have a hand injury, you would have scored 100 points each game or something now? But I don't, I don't know what that, that's supposed to mean to me. It doesn't mean anything to me. Point is they lost. They got killed. It is what it is. That, that hand injury doesn't mean – Absolutely anything to the outcome of this series. And my thing is, how does this leak right after the clock goes zero? You know, and it's it's so that that to me that that is fishy. I'm not saying LeBron didn't hurt his hand. I can see a situation where this man is uh, incredibly angry. He was incredibly frustrated after game one, and he went to the locker room and may have may have punched the board. Um, he said he punched a white boy. I don't know how that would break your hand. Anyway, but what he may have, <laughs> he may have punched the board, and you know I, I can understand he he may be hurt. But here's my thing: they say he hid it uh, from everybody, from the media, from uh, supposedly cameras, the wars. He was ever conscious of what, who was around him, and he was going to hide the fact that his hand was injured. Until double zeros hit after game four, 
and all of a sudden it's the easiest story to pop up. All of a sudden, Brian One Horse has breaking news to tell us that LeBron hurt his hand. Like not a not a day went by, you know, and then he walks into the press conference afterwards and he has the, the cast on, the 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 brace on. And it's just like and then he calls attention to it. I notice y'all looking at my brace. <sighs> Come on, man. Come on. It's 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 a competitive thing. So it's it's also to me, like you remember when, uh, when Golden State put a three one lead, right? And everybody has speculation that Stephen Curry was hurt, that his knees was bothering him because he had a he had a, a tweak, and people were saying you know, he looks hurt. Could it be his knee? And he kept insisting, no, no, it's nothing wrong. No, it's not. It's outplayed us. It's nothing wrong. And then you heard about him having a knee scope, but you didn't hear about it to almost the next year. It had happened already. To me, it's it's just like it's it's a disrespect of, of your opponent, of their moment, mm-hmm. uh, of their of their time. It's it's like okay, these dudes are celebrating winning the title. You're still the best player in the league. You're you're the most polarizing player in the league. The media is going to want to talk to you. And you know, you take this opportunity uh, to leak information right before, and then come out and call attention to it. In the end, the night still became about LeBron, and somehow, some way, and that—that's that, where my problem comes in, and all of that. It still became about LeBron, and and you know, the competitor in you. If you covered up all that time, covered up a little longer. Let it, mm-hmm. exactly. let it leak when you're at the club two weeks from now and somebody said, man, it's hand in a brace. What happened? As opposed yeah. to, I'm going to wear this brace uh, right after the game at the press conference. And and that's where, you know, I, I lose a little bit of respect for him. And it's, it's not that he does anything overly egregious, but it's just he does these little things and it chips away and it erodes at whatever regard you might have for that guy. See, that's exactly why I don't think that you can even mention him in the same breath as Jordan. Just just for simple things like that, little things like that, that kind of chink away at his armor of greatest of all time. You can't tell me Michael Jordan would do the exact same thing. You know, and, and the competitor in you probably wouldn't have allowed you to say, you know what, I'm going to use this as an excuse as to why we went down. No, you didn't take any games off. You had great games every single playoff series, every single play uh, finals game. You had near triple double, triple double. Like there's no reason why you had to bring that up when you did, and then to draw attention to it. You know, come on, please. Not to mention that he threw an alley oop to himself. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. he had. He was consistently carrying purses with their right hand. <laughs> he had one yesterday. He had a Louis Vuitton man bag. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to touch that too much. I don't know what's up with him. Maybe him and Russell Westbrook are, are pairing up to to get a clothing line together. I don't know what's going on with that man. That that being said, and we've we've touched on it a few times, and we're going to jump into it. Honestly, this point has been belabored by many. 
And since the playoffs have started and we've seen phenomenal performances by LeBron James, it's only ramped up the comparisons. You've seen uh, television talk shows. I'm sure it's been on radio talk shows uh, to where this is pretty much the uh, order of the day. It brings ratings as well um, because you're kind of putting two two different eras, two different fan bases, uh, two different eras of basketball fan bases kind of at odds with one another. And mm-hmm. it's the Jordan versus LeBron debate. Mm-hmm. Who is truly the GOAT? So before we get started, let's just say cut and dry to to – you, Calvin, who is the greatest basketball player of all time? MJ. Jordan? Oh, it's not even close. His airness. Okay, so I, I agree with you two uh, vehemently that uh, Michael Jordan is the greatest. I think LeBron is in the room. And my number two guy is actually not a, a popular number two guy that I have LeBron behind, but he's my number two guy for uh, certain reasons that people want to make LeBron the GOAT because he carried teams, and that's what Kim Olajuwon. But that's, you know, Kim Olajuwon carried basketball teams, played defense, and stuffs all the stat columns. The same thing that LeBron does. But he was a center that dominated in a center era. But this is about Jordan and LeBron. So the first uh, arguing point, and we're going to tackle this immediately is that LeBron James has carried worse teams to the finals. Yeah. Your thoughts, gentlemen? Go ahead, Cal. Well, here's my thought. When it comes to the first time he carried a team to the finals in 2007, I do think he had just a freakishly excellent series against the Pistons that allowed his team to make it to the finals. But his team wasn't that shabby back then either. He had some decent players on that team. But I do think that when it comes to recent history, you you got LeBron James who's going to the finals every single season since he joined the Miami Heat. But why is that? Because every single season – he does not have comparable competition in the East. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, it's it's the most simplest point of them all. And this is the reason why, and I hope it happens, that the NBA decides to go with a format that would allow the top 16 teams, no matter what conference they're in, to be in the playoffs. I would even hope that they decide to say, hey, to make this even more competitive and enticing, and we know that it's a lot of traveling. Say New York Knicks play the Los Angeles Lakers. That's a lot of traveling. Sure, indeed, we'll make the series five games. I think it will be competitive. It will be fun to watch. And you'll truly see that LeBron James teams like the Cleveland Cavs this year wouldn't have made it past the second round if they were in the West. But that's always been the key. The key here is that LeBron's competition is nowhere near the Warriors' competition. The Rockets, whatever it may be, he never has the, the, the level of competition that's needed to compare. Now, now, what about Mike? Mike had to go against the bad boys. Mm-hmm. Mike had to go against Larry Bird Celtics. In the East, they've always had competitive. It was years when the East was stronger than the West. 
yeah. when Mike was playing. Yes, and, and my thought is, you going against players that are Hall of Famers now in the East every year, that Cleveland Cavaliers team was no joke back in the 80s, early 90s. The Knicks, the Knicks were famous for who the Knicks are. They were thugs. They were, they, they were, they were bone crushers. You know what I mean? They were killers. You know, you went against the Pacers. He went against Mike. Mike went against all these teams in the East, and he had to have some bumps in the road on his way to finally making it to the finals in 91. But LeBron's competition is never there. And this is the reason why LeBron now is three wins and six losses in the finals because he goes against real competition when he gets to the finals. I'm total agreement. Total agreement, bro. Uh, no matter how many times you've made it to the finals, uh, whoop de doo for, what, nine in a row, eight in a row, what you do when you get there. And again, the level of competition in the East is obviously Putrid. way, way easier. Way, way, way easier to deal with. And then on top of that, somehow it seems like LeBron is always facing teams in the playoffs whose people are injured. You know, Derrick Rose, you know, my boy, it, that team wasn't nothing like it should have been when they faced them uh, that one year. And then on top of that, you look at Boston this year without Kyrie, without Gordon Hayward. Heck, the Cavaliers almost got ousted by, should have got ousted by uh, not only the Celtics, but the Pacers. The Pacers gave them a run for their money, had them on the ropes. So you talk about teams that probably would be getting killed in the Western conferences going up against the Cavs. Absolutely. When you get to the finals, you have no chance at all. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, Golden State played against the, the, the Rockets. I can't remember the other teams, but way better competition, way better superstars, way better overall teams in the Western conference. So you, you, you can't compare his legacy to Jordan's legacy at all. The defense back in the day, way, way harder to deal with. I mean, we talk about Golden State nowadays being one of the best defenses in this league. And yet, what? how many points do they give up? Like 90-something, 80, 100, 100 points? How many points did the Pistons give up in, 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 when, when Billups and, 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 and Rip Hamilton and Ben Wallace and all of them was killing when they won the championship? Like 87 points? That's real defense. How many points did the did the the the, the uh, defenses of long ago give up in Jordan's day? 80, 90, 91 good defenses. So, so we're talking about the defense now compared to the defense back when Jordan was playing. That doesn't even compare. So when, when we talk about the comparison, uh, and we were gonna, I was gonna touch on it a little bit, but we can we can corral it into this area too. Um, both the level of competition and the level of assistance. People talk about people say honestly that this team this year is worse than the team from 07. I hmm. I disagree wholeheartedly. Um me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can't even remember any of the players. Zandruskis back then was an all-star, but I'll say this. Mo Williams, maybe. Larry Hughes, Booby Gibson. That's okay. They have some players. They have some players. Larry Hughes. Larry Hughes when he signed. Larry Hughes signed with with the Cleveland Cavaliers in 
uh, going to the uh, to that season that they got to the finals. Larry Hughes was all defensive first team and led the league in steals the year before and was a 22-point-a-game scorer. So that's going to get to a further point that I have later on. Um, this year, LeBron James had another all-star on his team who is a double-double machine. And for the – like Kevin Love can roll out of bed and give you 18 and 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's and that's even considering a, a point I'm going to mention later on down the line about playing with LeBron James. But in the finals, LeBron James had to carry this team, and he didn't get any help. Uh, Kevin Love averaged 19 and 12 in this series, and up until uh, Game Four last night, when the entire Cavaliers team quit, including number 23, LeBron James. Um, before then, he was averaging 21 and 12, which had him, as far as uh, analytical game score, as the third best player in the series. Michael Jordan in the 1998 finals against the Utah Jazz, that people tend to forget when Scottie Pippen's back was terrible and he was toughing it out just because the playing of a bad back Pippen was better than, say, Scott Burrell. Um Scottie Pippen gave you 15 points a game and six rebounds in that series. But because Scottie Pippen eventually made it into the Hall of Fame, he was there. Yeah. Um, Jordan had help, even though it was bad back help. See, that's, that's people get revisionist history when it comes to that. Scottie Pippen, I love him. He's a Hall of Famer and deserves to be there. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, perimeter defenders that have has ever laced him up. But Scottie Pippen did have periods and spells where he was not there for Mike. Scottie Pippen did have periods and spells where he could have done a little more or may have just been flat out hurt or injured and couldn't do more. Yeah. So to say, well, Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen, um, that's, that's a cop out. Now, people want to bring up the Dennis Rodman being playing for the Bulls back then. If you look at Dennis Rodman's uh, analytical stats, the PER, the game score, the um, and the, the other statistics that, that go in line with it, all Dennis Rodman did was rebound. He wasn't even that good of a defender at that time. The only person he really defended well was Shaquille O'Neal. Sean Kemp torched him in the 96 finals, and Carl Malone had his way with him, honestly. Um, the only thing that Dennis Rodman really did was kept Carl Malone from abusing him like he would have, say, Tony Kukoc or Dickie Simmons. Uh, but Dennis Rodman, at that point when he got with the Bulls, was a professional rebounder who in every other aspect of his game was a shell of his former self. So that, that whole Michael had more help thing, I'm, I'm not buying yeah, Dennis Robin wasn't even an all-star. Either one of those three years, he played for the Bulls. Yeah. Not one of them. No, he wasn't. Because you were looking, even though Dennis was in excellent shape, he took good care of his body. He still wasn't who he was in 87, 88, 89, when he was arguably the best defender in the league. Um, and we go into the level of competition, where people look at the Golden State Warriors and as as well composed of a team as they are. People will say, well, Michael Jordan never had to play a team that had that many all-stars. Perhaps not, but I'll give you this. 
1998, the Los Angeles Lakers had four All-Stars. That team was not even good enough to make the finals. They lost to the Utah Jazz, whom the Bulls beat. In 1992, the Portland Trailblazers had three All-Stars. And outside of those three All-Stars, they had another player who led the league in field goal percentage and averaged almost 10 rebounds a game at Buck Williams, who had just started to get old. Um, he wasn't in his prime anymore. But he was still a, a very respected rebounder at that time and a defensive presence and a tough guy. Those Portland Trailblazers also had the sixth man of the year in Clifford Robinson. So we're not talking about a team full of bums that the Bulls took down. Uh, we're talking about a team with three All-Stars, the sixth man of the year, and the league leader in field goal percentage slash superior rebounder. You also had the L.A. Lakers, and people want to say, well, Magic Johnson retired right after that. Let's be realistic here. If Magic Johnson had not found out about his physical condition of contracting the HIV virus, Magic Johnson would have still been the prime of his career and playing that very next year on an all-star level. Um, and Magic Johnson goes down as one of the legends, the greats of the game. Now, the only thing I can give to LeBron, to LeBron uh, apologists is this. Yes, Scottie Pippen did have to guard Magic Johnson because Magic Johnson was a bit of a problem for Mike. Magic Johnson was playing post-up point guard basketball and Michael was getting some fouls called on him. So to prevent his best player from getting in foul trouble, Phil said, hey, Scotty, why don't you guard him and you get in foul trouble? The other thing I want to I want to point out is that LeBron James legacy takes hits. Oh, another thing, too. We talked about that Pistons team that uh, LeBron went nuts on and got his team to the finals. Guess who wasn't on that Pistons team anymore? Who? Oh. Ben Wallace. So if you recall, LeBron James was just constantly going to the basket, getting layups and fouls. That's a good point. That's because Ben Wallace wasn't there. Ben Wallace was playing for the Bulls, getting overpaid here. Uh, Chris Webber was the uh, rim protector then, and Chris <laughs> Webber was past his prime at that time. Yeah, and Chris Webber has never been a rim protector. Exactly. Not like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, not saying Ben Wallace is, is, you know, some superhuman beast, but he was the premier defender of, of the beginning of the LeBron era, uh, even giving Shaq some difficulties. When they linked up, yeah. Another point I want to get to is the fact that uh, LeBron James' legacy takes hits sometimes due to his own, uh, his own doing. Um, LeBron James, whether you want to believe he's the coach slash GM slash owner, whatever, uh, even if he's not acting in that capacity. His level of influence on his team is actually part of his undoing. That's a good point, too. Yep. When you constantly, and, and I, I respect the man that takes his future, his career into his own hands. When you constantly are signing one-year opt-out deals, what does that do? You're the best player in the game, and you're constantly signing one-year opt-out deals. Yeah the undue pressure that that mounts upon a franchise, upon a general manager, upon an owner, uh, 
to make moves or, or if you suggest a move, of course they're going to do it. So if you're on a one-year deal and you say, you know what, I think we need to bring JR back. Of course they're going to bring JR back. If, yep. you're on a, if you're on a one-year opt-out and you say, you know what, I think Tristan Thompson, he played good for us last finals. We need to bring him back. Of course they're going to bring him back. So you can't complain about JR getting a three-year deal two years from now or Tristan getting a four-year deal three years from now when you said, hmm, you know, maybe we should bring them back. Of course they're going to do it because they don't want to lose you. Guess what? They've lost you before. So when you sign these one-year opt-out deals, they're afraid of losing you again. So they're going to listen to you. You say, hey, we need a fresh start. We need some, some fresh blood and some young guys. What you going to get so let's trade our 28-year-old Jay Crowder. Let's trade 29-year-old Derrick Rose. Let's trade 304-year-old Dwayne Wade. And let's get <laughs> fresh blood in here because that's what LeBron wants. Because if we don't do what LeBron wants, he's going to leave us. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. But, you know, that, that you, you, you put in, you, I don't care if he is one of the greatest players ever to play. You do what you're there to do, and that's play basketball games. You let everybody do their job just like you're doing your job. Coaches are supposed to make decisions on the team, front office, the manager, general manager. You let them do that. He has too much sway. But to be honest with you, had they kept the team that they had at the beginning of the season, maybe except out of outside of Isaiah Thomas, I think they would have been in a better position to compete, you know, at, skill set wise against the Golden State Warriors. And yeah, I'm being a little biased, you know, because I think Derrick Rose probably would have showed out a little bit. I would have looked forward to seeing him playing his his first finals and seeing how much he would have gave because I know he would have gave his all. But then you also think about Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder is to me a better defender and younger defender than Jeff Green. Uh you had a couple other pieces that you let go. So I, I just I don't know, man. That that I, I I'm I'm in total agreement with you with that. You know, I think LeBron had too much sway, and because it was LeBron, they don't want to end up losing him. So, oh, we'll do whatever you want. Oh, you you don't want Andrew Wiggins? Okay, we'll get K Love. Well, or you don't want this person? Okay, well, please just stay. That man is already thinking about his his town home in Los Angeles with Paul George. And I, I think that LeBron, the GM gets in the way of LeBron the player and makes things more difficult. So in that instance, I, I have to, you have to add that to his legacy because part of his legacy has been doing that. The only time LeBron James has won is when he's played with two other future Hall of Famers. All three championships had two other future Hall of Famers. Even the one in Cleveland, let's be real. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, when this is all said and done, are likely yeah. Hall of Famers. Yeah. Um, I don't see Horace Grant making any speeches anytime soon. I don't think <laughs> Craig Hodges anytime soon will be making any speeches. So, you know, you have to count that. The other thing is the LeBron effect on players. When I say the LeBron effect on players, I mean this. Rocky Hood in Utah averaged roughly 18 points a game. Gets to Cleveland uh, during the regular season. It goes down to ten, and in the playoffs, he's getting ten. <laughs> there's, there's no way you can 
tell me that someone who's averaging 18 points a game, and it's not, it's not bum slaying. Utah was a playoff team. So he's getting 18 points a game on a playoff team and playoff situation. And suddenly he is incapable of doing anything. He gets to Cleveland. I don't buy it. I don't. George Hill is getting up in age. He has championship pedigree. He's played with the Spurs and won with them. And he was averaging about 16 points a game last year. He may be aging out. That's understandable. He's getting older. He went from averaging 16 points a game with Utah. Being a waste of space in this year's market. Kevin Love, who although he wasn't doing, uh, he wasn't winning in Minnesota, uh, but he was still giving numbers like 26 and 13, 25 and 14. And then he gets to Cleveland and he's an 18 point a game spot up shooter. I, I just, there's an effect to be, to be had. And I understand to play with a great player, you sacrifice. But I also, yeah. because LeBron is on that team, and again, I, I think there is, even though LeBron isn't, he claims to not care what people think, he's very conscious of his legacy. He's very conscious of that ghost that he's chasing. I think he wants to catch it. And I think he, can't. And I think he forces things. And, yeah. And what happens is now, you can't tell me that if you you remember what the Bulls used to do, um, especially in the important games, they will come out in the game and Phil Jackson will say, hey, let's engage our bigs. And the first four or five plays will be for Bill Cartwright. Yeah. What would be the, what would be the problem with doing that with Kevin Love? To say, hey, let's get this. 26 and 13 guy engaged offensively. And I, and I saw them do it, especially in game one. I actually saw a little bit of it. Um, but it just seems like they're reluctant to do that if LeBron wants to make a statement. And, and, that's, and that's fine and dandy, but you can't relegate him to just a glorified spot-up shooter when this man's bread and butter was on the block mid-range and then he worked his way out in the course of the game. Yeah, yeah you... you- I completely agree with that. You uh, you have to get all your other people involved because as a superstar, you already know you can get yours at any point in time. So in the beginning of the game, you know, while all the while managing, you know, how close you are, how the game is going, you want to get other people involved so they can get more comfortable. They can build up their confidence. And then, you know, by the end of the game, you're doing what you got to do in the clutch. If you got to take over, take over. Th- those were those moments. Those were uh, those moments are for, for the superstars to shine. Is when you need to take over. Don't rely on anybody else. Get this bucket. We need you to get this shot. But in the beginning, show some trust. Put people in a position to 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 give their best output. Kevin Love, like you said, can get out of the bed and give you eighteen and eleven. Well, allow Kevin Love to get out of the first quarter with about five and 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 five or, or eight and five. And, and now you got something going for the rest of the game. Now he doesn't have to worry about trying to warm up later on or J.R. Smith. Let him get a few threes, you know, instead of wasting his time drink, drinking a Hennessy bottle on the bench. Let him get involved in the game early 
So he ain't got to be confused at the end of the game. And I, I, I think what happens too is we get caught up in, in the confusion of, and and I heard I've, I've had some of, uh, some of our friends say this, especially in the chats, that LeBron doesn't really make his teammates better. Sometimes we get caught up in the confusion of a person averaging a certain number of assists waiting to make your teammates better, and that's not always the case. Um, can we honestly say that because Russell Westbrook gives you double digits and assists over the last weeks that he's making his teammates better? To me, those are empty stats. I, I, I feel like, uh, and, and this was kind of to the point I brought out earlier, uh, in, in this day's NBA, the guard has such a high usage rate. You're going to get assists just because you have the ball and you hold it until the last possible second. I mean, you got the ball and it's like three seconds on the clock and you drive into the hole, somebody's wide open, you dish the ball, there's an assist. It's kind of what Rondo does. Rondo does the same thing. He holds the ball until the very last possible chance for him to get an assist. He's the one that's going to do it because he has the ball the whole time. So and with LeBron, I don't think I don't think that he necessarily makes his players better. I, if anything, I'll argue to say that players have had to step back their game in order to play with LeBron. Yeah, LeBron, uh, Dwayne Wade had to diminish what he normally could do in order to play with LeBron. Chris Bosh took the ultimate step back, but when those players weren't playing with LeBron no more, they got they were better. Look at the players that they traded this year. I mean, besides Dwayne Wade, Derrick Rose goes to Minnesota. He plays better. Isaiah Thomas even went to L.A. Lakers to play better. Jay Crowder played better. They all played better when they weren't with LeBron because LeBron has the ball 90% of the time. Yeah, I mean, and so take nothing away from him in this. LeBron James is a great, phenomenal passer. Uh, you see the passes he makes off sheer ability and strength, he's able to get the ball there. Um, he has fairly good vision where he sees the court well and can anticipate. Um, but this is not a situation where it's like because of his passing, Kevin Love gets, gets the shot where he's comfortable. He gets the shot where LeBron thinks the best shot for him is. And you know what? That that, that I, I have to say that that's a good point. And now that I'm thinking about it, that's another reason why Golden State is such a great team. Because you have all of those players who individually are extremely talented, some of the best players ever to play the game. And yet their mindset, that team is always looking to eat and share the ball, share the ball, move around, pass the ball. Your turn, my turn. You know, we, we there is no, okay, you know, uh, it's my turn and I'm going to keep the ball and you're going to do it the way I see fit. No, not even with KD. KD sometimes gets into a mode of, you know, maybe not looking around for some for some, for some some shots or, or passing the ball around. But that's few and far between. That team as a whole gets it. But then when you have somebody who is as, as good as LeBron is, can do it all, it, I guarantee you LeBron will not try to fit his game in the mode of somebody else's. Everybody around him, no matter what player is on his team, 
has to make sure that they fit into the mold of what LeBron wants to do or the way LeBron sees playing the game. And to an extent, it works. LeBron definitely sees the game differently. He can see the court. He knows how to set people up. But there are plenty of times where I'm like, well, why didn't he pass it to that way yet? Well, why didn't he do this? You know, there's just certain plays. Okay, just give the ball up. Pass it around. You're holding it too much. Let other people get involved. You got to be willing to do that. And sometimes I don't think LeBron is willing to do that because he already thinks he has all the answers. It's it's, it's a matter too of it's it's not it's not simply about how can I put this? Um, it's about understanding where your guys are comfortable. And I think Golden State and Steve Kerr, they have a system and a culture in place where a guy comes in, you take a Kevin Durant, he comes in and he, you look at the situation and you say, hey, Kevin, where do you like the ball? Where can you score? What's your spots? Even though, you know, he's a, a, a uber superior scorer, what's your spots? You know what I'm saying? Or they may even look at it analytically and say, hey, this is your spot. Uh, this is where you yeah. appear to be comfortable. And they try to get him the ball there and then other guys go here and so they, they work together to get guys shots in their spots. And you may get a little sacrifice here to where that may be KD's spot. So Steph may say, well, I can step off of this. Or Clay might say, well, I don't have to do this because I can also do well over here. I don't think when guys are coming in that LeBron is necessarily looking at them like, okay, where do, what do you do the best? He's looking at numbers and maybe some stats and saying, oh, okay. We get Kevin Love, we get 26 and 10. But we get Chris Bosh, we get 25 and 10. Not thinking to himself, okay, where did Chris Bosh get his 25? You know what I'm saying? So even, even Chris Bosh said that you have to sacrifice your game. Another point yeah. to bring up is uh, when this isn't necessarily a comparison to Jordan. Well, let's, let's go there. So, uh, you talk about the comparison in time and LeBron's accomplishments over a certain period of time. And we've discussed this before, that Jordan took breaks. But people, people, when breaks, they make it seem like they were actually breaks. Jordan's, Jordan's first time period where he wasn't playing was an injury he broke his foot in his second year. When Jordan retired the first time, people say, you know, well, Michael Jordan took a break and came back fresh. Michael Jordan took retired to play a another sport. It wasn't right. like <laughs> it wasn't like he was at home relaxing on the couch. Michael Jordan yeah. tried to learn and play another sport professionally. It was like he was taking an athletic break. I mean, it's if, if, if LeBron was retired from basketball. I want to spend two years playing for the Yankees. I would consider that a break. Everybody would talk about how athletic of a freak he is. Yeah. But Michael Jordan does it. And then, you know, you have some of the apologists who say, well, Mike had a break. No, Mike had to learn how to play another sport, then stop learning how to play that sport because he was honestly not that great at it. Go back to his original sport, which he wasn't conditioned for, which is why they lost to the Orlando Magic which people try to hold against him when he's playing in the body of a baseball player. Mike, 
if Mike would have played those two years, can we realistically say at worst they have seven titles? Yeah. You know, and two, people forget how taxing it is to learn a new sport that you're not familiar with playing. But also, he was in the minor leagues. He wasn't even in the major leagues. So take this into consideration. Mike is traveling on buses from city to city, not airplanes. So it's more taxing, more harder on you. So, yeah, if anything, I feel like those weren't breaks. Michael's still working, just doing a different sport. But, yeah, yeah. I honestly think if Mike – if Mike didn't retire, easily I could see him. Because in 1994, they should have went to the finals if it weren't for uh, that referee. Hugh Hollins. What's that referee name? Hugh Hollins. You know, they could have went to the finals. That shows how good that team was. So, yeah, Mike would have definitely took them to the finals and definitely would have challenged Houston. And we that would have been a real fun one to see. I, I wish we could have seen that. but Houston wouldn't have had a chance. I think they would have ran – Eight in a row. Then this wouldn't even be in a conversation. So that that leads me to another point. That Michael Jordan's teams were already good by evidence that when Michael Jordan retired, the Bulls really were a legitimate title contender. But when, when LeBron left, Cleveland, so. they were trash. So, and see, that, oh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just not Shoot. No, it was going to be along the same lines as you. I pretty much was just going to say that here it is. You had a player in Scottie Pippen who wasn't Scottie, who wasn't who we knew know him to be now when he got to the Bulls. The man was a bench player. Michael Jordan made him into one of the best players ever. LeBron don't make anybody into nothing better than what they already are. LeBron tells you to fill your role, know your role, and shut your mouth. You know, there's no improving on a person's skill level when it comes to playing with LeBron. Same with Russell Westbrook, unfortunately. And that's what I think another big difference is. Jordan made Pippen into who he was. Jordan created Horace Grant to a certain extent, just through the way he wanted his team to be, the aggressiveness, the, the desire to want to win all the time. He had that in him. LeBron didn't make anybody better, still doesn't make anybody better. He makes himself better because he he wants other people to play the way that he sees the game should go. So that, to me, that 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 I just had to say that 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 is a glaring difference between those two. Also, when when you consider that team, that uh, ninety four team, you know, like you said, guys guys stepped up, but there was a system in place that guys could flourish in, and. You know, Scotty kind of fulfilled that vacuum. Uh, that first Cleveland team, you know, and, and then you got to consider too when around that time it wasn't free agent wasn't free agency wasn't as a big a thing even in '94 as it is yeah. today. Yeah. You know, 10, 10, 15 years made quite the difference as far as free agency was concerned. So you had much less player movement and more player development back then. You know, whereas if you got guys who can align their deals with LeBron's and they can say, okay, when LeBron leaves, I ain't trying to be here. So you got guys who might leave, get cut, get traded because maybe Cleveland's saying, okay, 
we know we're not going to be a, a legitimate title contender. Let's lose this guy. Let's lose this guy. Let's trade this guy. Let's uh, want you sit out a couple more games because we need the number one pick, which is what Cleveland got. So there's a lot of other factors that go into it. It wasn't just a, a complete flatlining on the, on the Cavaliers part, but it also wasn't just like, you know, there was so much greatness with the Bulls. You had a system in place where guys could flourish. In the Miami thing, you just had two players, two Hall of Fame players who suddenly had to deal with injuries right after that. So I think yeah. LeBron foresaw that, and that's why he kind of bolted to Cleveland. Uh, but you had two Hall of Famers who, you know, coincidentally uh, you know, suffered some pretty brutal injuries Yeah. afterwards. Yeah. I, I, and that's to me, that's the only reason LeBron left to go to Cleveland. It was his opportunity to say, you know what? Dwayne Wade is turning the clock. You know, Chris Bosch was still good at that time, but his number two man, Dwayne Wade, was turning to age, and he could see that. So LeBron went ahead and made that decision. Oh, look at Cleveland, man. Cleveland, not only do they got the number one pick in this draft, they got Kyrie, and we could probably do some things. There you go. So that's, I mean, that's the thing. LeBron has always had help. This is probably the first year out of the eight years in a row where he didn't have a superstar player. I mean, Kevin Love is a superstar talent. He didn't show up the way he should have, but he still had the talent. But this is the first year. So, you know, all those years, the seven years in a row where he went to the NBA Finals before this year, and he's won three of them and lost four of them. And this is why I don't understand how people can compare Mike to LeBron. LeBron had better help. And you kind of tallied on this point a little bit earlier, Chris. No one is going to see Horace Grant making a speech in the Naismith Hall of Fame. You know, Dennis Rodman was slightly a shell of his old self when he was with San Antonio and Detroit before he got uh, to the Bulls in 96. Scottie Pippen had a lot of back issues. So LeBron probably arguably had the better teams. Mike probably is the reason why that team won 72 games, 69 games the year after that. And what, 64 or 63 games the, the year after that? LeBron ain't, LeBron ain't doing that. But, you know, Mike has that killer instinct. And to me, that's the main thing that separates them is that killer instinct. Mike and Kobe both had a killer instinct. LeBron doesn't truly have a real killer instinct. He prefers to pick you up, hug you, let's play chess. Oh, by the same time, I'm going to try to beat you. If not, we'll go out to eat, you know? That's LeBron. And I, I was going to speak to that uh, shortly, and it's a good good intro to that, um, Cal. We, we talk about the killer instinct. And you know how for some people, some things come natural, and some things, some things are taught or learned. Um, when you look at Mike, even Kobe, and some of the other greats, I think even though Magic smiled in your face, even though Magic smiled in your face, I think he kind of still just had it. Uh, that killer instinct is it's, it's a lot to, to be said to that. Uh, LeBron has it, but I, I think it was something he kind of had to force himself into. Yeah. Uh, it's something that, you know, people told him he should have it. So he was like, well, I need to, I need to do this. I need to, in order to, to be great, I need to do this. 
Uh, even yeah. Kobe, you know, Kobe would try to push him into saying, "Hey, this is this is what you should do." Um, whereas with Mike, the the losing, the struggle, the losing to his brother when he was younger, and and things like that, he wanted to win at all costs. He's like, "I, I, I gotta win." It was a, it was honestly for Kobe and Mike, it's it's almost a sickness, a compulsion, um, that they have. Um, that they got to hold on to in, in order to win. Um, so you see that with LeBron a little bit. Uh, he's hit the game-winning shots. He, he's carried the load. He's taken upon himself, especially this playoffs. Uh, it's obvious to do certain things. That takes killer instinct. That Detroit thing when he was younger, that, that took killer instinct to where he just realized that the only way this is going to happen is if I will it to happen. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, there's signs of it there. But it's it's not at that level to where it's just like, you know, I don't care if your mama is guarding me. Yeah. She finna she finna get this bucket and we finna win this game. Yeah, Michael's just at a different level. And even if Michael's down three games to nothing, like LeBron was in this series before game four, Michael would have never quit. Michael would rather died on that floor before he quit. LeBron visibly quit in this game at the second half. You could just see it. He was not. He wasn't playing the way he was playing, and and that's why it just gives credence to the bullcrap excuse of his hand being broken. There's no way possible he had a broken hand, and he never once favored that hand the whole entire series. I never see him once grab at that hand. That's why nobody knew. Nobody knew because he wasn't grabbing against it. And then so. If- if yeah. you recall, uh, game four, they took a swipe at his hand, and when he went down in a heat and he was holding his arm, he was holding his left hand. He was squeezing yeah. it with the right hand. So yeah. it was like, uh... And his right hand is the one that's supposedly broken, right? Right. So if his right hand is the one that's broken, how is he dribbling the ball? I mean, I know LeBron could be superhuman at times, but if you... If you have a broken hand, there's no way you're capable of doing the things that LeBron has done. No human. No way. Yeah, so that 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 killer instinct uh certainly is it's not it's not a match. It's there with LeBron, but it's not a match to the Mikes and the Kobe's and, and comparing them to Jordan. Uh it's not there. Uh it's, it's so many other directions we can go in. LeBron, for the sake of longevity, uh, for the sake of the amount of games in the playoffs, he's going to have almost all the records or close to all the records when this is said and done. And this is in no way uh, to take away from the greatness of LeBron James. Um, But when it comes to the GOAT conversation, you have to elevate Michael Jordan above LeBron James. Michael Jordan would never have been swept twice uh, in any final series when, when the stakes were this high. Uh, Michael Jordan, although he may not have played anyone uh, on the level of this Golden State team, he has played some teams that were awfully close, uh, considering the era he was in. Um, Michael Jordan played against tougher defenses. Uh, Even though you have guys out here who are giving you clips and, and replays of the fact that Michael Jordan only played against slow white guys, that is not the case. Uh, Alvin Robertson would have had your lunch, ate it in front mm. of you uh, mm. back in the day. 
You know, he, he had to go to the hole against a Patrick Young. He had to go to the hole against a, a David Robinson, a Keem Olajuwon. Gary Payton was the only point guard to ever win Defensive Player of the Year, ever. You know, so you had you had guys back then at at those guard positions who were defensive animals. You know, you even look at Joe Dumas, and not only that, a whole defense designed and the principles of which are still used to guard LeBron, a whole defense designed to stop Michael Jordan, and, and Joe Dumas was at the anchor of that defense as far as uh, understanding, you know, where the help was coming from and, and moving Mike to that direction. You had hand-checking back then. So you hand-checking, yeah. Move a guy. And it wasn't as lenient on the offensive end where, uh, honestly, you see guys today and they go in forearm first and every foray to the basket. Um, it, was, it was a little more physical back then, a little tougher time. And that's not even getting to the physical attributes. Yes, LeBron James is bigger. LeBron James is likely stronger. I wouldn't underestimate Michael's strength. Um, people say LeBron is faster. I contest that. I think Michael Jordan was incredibly fast. And if you look at film from Michael Jordan, incredibly quick. Um, mm. Quickness, especially early in his career, would rival the quickness of many of the point guards uh, today. So if you're looking at, at some of the production you get from these quick point guards today, with the ability to up and dunk on you, Mike will be right. You know, you also look at the technology. I mean, players today on average can last 15 years in a league. Back then, the top players lasted on average, what, 12 years, maybe 13? Larry Bird's back, Isaiah Thomas. You know, these players nowadays have technology that allows them to last longer. So if Mike had this technology, you can imagine his speed level would have continued into his late 30s. You know, uh, LeBron has all the advantages that Mike didn't have. Modern technology. He's in a league where you can't touch him. You go to the lane, you swipe, foul. You barely swipe, foul. It's a lot of phantom fouls. You, you in a league where half the players in the league are three-point shooters. Oh, by the way... If you're a big man and you can't shoot a three, you're probably going to be extinct. So Joe Kim Noah, Dwight Howard. So, you know, if you if 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 anything, if Mike played in this league where you can't touch a guy, there's so much space in the hole because you got three point shooters everywhere. It's easy to see Mike. Easy, easy trips to the basket. Free. No cost. I mean, seriously, Mike will average 40 points a game. And that's no joke. I honestly think he would because he had a shot. I think in the league, in the league, there's only two specific shots that was considered unstoppable. Kareem's hook shot, Mike's fadeaway jump. You can't stop that fadeaway. You couldn't stop Kareem's hook shot. You know, and that fadeaway jump shot that Mike had, I watched so many, so many games and tapes of Mike and how it just creates space on itself because he would just get in that post, turn around, fade away, bam. But then they also played a triple post on, on them. So, you know, you had all this movement. It's hard to figure out which way the Bulls were going because they got players going all around Mike and Mike in the post. You know, so I just, I just feel like it's a lot that uh, people – People live in the now. They live in the moment, and they look at LeBron and say, "God, he's great. Uh, we never see nothing like this." But yeah, he did. 
Mike was the one that started that. Where do you think LeBron is getting all this from? Where do you think all these athletic players are getting this from? They get it from Mike. You know, um, and, and then you even look at Mike's shooting percentage. His shooting percentage was that of a person who wasn't even shooting threes. You know, so I don't know. I just feel like uh, the comparisons are like incredibly ridiculous when you consider all that. But if we think about all that we just got to talking about, all of that was just offensive stats. We're not even talking about defensive stats where Mike clearly is better than LeBron. And that's why he's the greatest player ever, because not only did he give it to you on the offensive side as the greatest offensive player, he was also many times the best defensive player in the league because he won defensive player of the year three times. I think he was even 10 times on the all defensive uh, teams. LeBron once. He won it once. Um, the year he was MVP, he won defensive player of the year. So Who, LeBron? No, Mike. So he only right. won that, that one year. So he only won it once. So Michael Jordan dominated you on both ends of the floor. And, and LeBron's a good defender. But like we pointed out earlier, I think he's he's more done it in spurts. Yeah. Um than than consistent, especially. And at this stage of his at this stage of his career, LeBron, and I know he has to do a little more heavy lifting, but LeBron takes a lot of defensive possessions off. Um, yeah. so there's that. And then and when you speak to the gap in athleticism over the years, I think that we get hung up in in the fact that humans progress. I think the difference, the 20 year difference between, uh, let's say, 1990 and 2010 is smaller than the difference made between 1960 and 1980. Um, 1990, we were starting a technological era. And even one thing I like to do is like look at Olympic records and look at, uh, you know, the numbers from the Olympics and see, you know, in 1992, what what did the world's fastest man and world's fastest woman run. And then in, in 2016, what is the world's uh, fastest man and fastest woman run? And when you, you compare those, you know, the, the differences between those two aren't as great as, like I said, the differences between the 20 year span previous. So athleticism is relatively comparable between Jordan's era and today's era. So, hmm. You know, the, the the athletes that exist today aren't that much better athletes than they were back then. The only thing I can say now is the fast the fast guys that exist today are a little taller. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't necessarily call them stronger because you had some big, big, strong lumbering oafs back then, man. I mean. Yeah. I think the players back then were stronger in the 90s. I think the point guards are taller and stronger and faster this day and age. The Derrick Roses, the the Westbrooks, uh, the John Walls, the players coming into this league are stronger and faster, whereas the point guards in those days were, you know, Gary Payton wasn't known to dunk the ball or John Stockton, Jason Kidd. Those players weren't dunking the ball like that. So I think technology and maybe just natural human project progression is causing these players to get bigger and stronger and faster. I mean, even to a uh, an off degree too. If you off subject of sports, if you look at women, there, how many times you said you in conversation with somebody like that girl is only thirteen years old? I thought that was a grown woman, but back in our day, we didn't have girls that looked like that. Not when we were twelve years old. 
13 there years were old. A few. Speak for yourself. I had a few. <laughs> Maybe a couple, but nowadays there's everybody eating cornbread. <laughs> you know, and and it, it could it have it could have something to do with the food we eat. Who knows? I mean, but uh, like I said, if the players, the point guards are taller, they're faster, they're stronger. They also have something that those players didn't have, and that's digital technology. You can go on YouTube and study a player's game. You can go on YouTube and watch a guy dribble and learn how to dribble. That's why all these players got handles. Because, I mean, I remember when I was in my teens and I used to watch and one and I used to watch uh, Hot Sauce. And, man, I used to be like, man, I've never seen nobody dribble the ball like that. Now, you got a 6'11 guy named Kevin Durant who can cross you over. That wasn't happening 20 years ago. You know, so this is a different game, a different time, you know. And like I said, it's there are only a few transcendent players that could play in any generation. Michael is one of them. Kobe, LeBron, those players could play in any generation. And that's why I feel like if Michael's in this generation, this man would not only be averaging 40 points, but he will still be putting up three assists, three steals a game. Three steals. Michael's averaging two to three steals a game. LeBron is not even giving you, he's giving you maybe one. You know, so, and that's why I feel like, like these comparisons, people are looking at their offensive game. And Michael is probably the greatest offensive player, but LeBron is not even on his level defensively, consistently. You know. Yeah. So we, we've covered the competition, uh, which, is debatably better in Jordan's era, uh, especially as far as toughness. They're faster, a little faster today, and the bigs are doing more offensively today. But I also contest that, you know, you take a power forward today like a Draymond Green, and there is nothing that he can do with the Carl Malone, Tim Duncan, Derek Coleman uh, in their primes. No way. You know. Even a Charles Barkley. I mean, Charles Barkley talks talks about it, um, but let's let's be real. If Draymond Green had to guard a Charles Barkley, uh, it might be bad news for Draymond back in the day. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, then we talk about uh, we talked about level competition. Uh, we talked about teammate help. There have been times where LeBron's teams were worse than teams like that, that, and he's taken them farther. But the level of competition. Uh, that he's had has been worse in those regards. Um, Mike has had some bad teams. Mike has had his, he had his Kyle Macy. Um, so, hmm. you know, but he just couldn't go far with those guys. Uh, LeBron has taken some booby Gibsons to the finals. Um, so there may be a slight edge there, but, you know, I, I wouldn't so much say it's, it's a, it's a discernible difference. Uh, talked about just overall game. Uh, offensively, uh, you know, we revere Mike as possibly the greatest offensive weapon. Uh, LeBron has a little better court vision, better passer. Uh, but when it comes to making other teammates better, per se, uh, I don't think that his passing ability necessarily equates to that. Uh, Mike didn't necessarily make te- guys better on court either. I think, I think that Mike's, even though he wasn't willing all the way, Mike stepping back off of trying to be GM and LeBron's infusing himself more or less as a GM uh, kind of inter- plays a part in their greatness. And LeBron, the GM, has held LeBron, the player, back a little bit. Um, yeah. Overall, 
to be honest, the situations that LeBron James has come up short, Michael Jordan, I, I don't think, and I don't think uh, you or Jordan thinks any, Michael Jordan would have not come up as small in the situations LeBron has come up small in. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's hard to say that LeBron James at this point could ever reach what Michael Jordan has done as far as being the GOAT. Um, there's a lot more we could say, but we're out of time. Hopefully we've dead this as far as the Stay House podcast is concerned. Uh, I want to put the nail in the coffin for us personally because this is honestly a, a tiring conversation because uh, you hear it over and over again. Um, but you never know. We might get a dry sports week and uh, have to dive back into it or get some feedback and we got to you know shut up another LeBron fanboy. You know, it's, it's been riveting. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors for winning their third title in four years and back-to-back over the last two years, uh, capping off a great season of NBA basketball. We look forward to the NBA draft coming up in the next couple weeks. Uh, Hopefully we can uh, get something special together that I'm working on for that, you know, have something that that, uh, we can and the listeners can enjoy. You know, Jordan just had to step away, had to leave us, Uh, but I've been Chris. Got my man Calvin with me. Found yes, him sir. Off the milk carton. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> and we'll see y'all next week. Thanks for joining us. Yes, sir.